1: Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today I'm lucky enough to bring you part two of our Branko Lee interview. If you haven't listened to part one already, scroll back a week ago and have a listen to it. Part one is essentially Branko's journey to the Melbourne Storm. Starts all the way back in his childhood, Uh, you know, signed to the Canberra Raiders when he was in year six, making his way down to Canberra, making his debut there under Ricky Stewart, having to tell Ricky a few years later he had to leave. He made his way to Canterbury under Desi Hasler, learnt so much there, and then because of family issues, had to make his move to the Gold Coast Titans. And the Titans is sort of where it all sort of fell apart for him to some extent. It did not go his way. It wasn't his year or two there, and... Branco was left without a club, without the desire to really want to play footy, and then he receives a phone call from the East Tigers, who are, of course, the feeder club to the Melbourne Storm. He's sitting at a pub, having a beer with a mate. He's ready to throw in the towel on his career, and he gets offered a contract and get told, you know, come over here, sign this contract, you'll be going to Melbourne in the next few days. And it's the start... Of an unbelievable journey and personally, one of my favourite rugby league stories of all time. Branko Lee's been a guy that I've had a lot of time for for a long time. Now that I've got to know him as a bloke, I've got even more time for him. A champion fella and today, he's going to take you through his journey that starts at the Melbourne Storm and finishes with him as the starting centre in the worst Queensland team in 40 years, lifting up the shield. It's an incredible story that takes us through the army camp at the Melbourne Storm. Three days from absolute hell that set Branko up for everything in 2020 into round one where he didn't even make the round one side for the Melbourne Storm Craig Bellamy said to him mate you're not on the side but tell him that he thought he would play Origin this year he said mate I think you'll play Origin if you want to All of a sudden, the next obstacle appeared, COVID. He had six weeks off there and he trained his ass off with Craig Bellamy's words ringing in his ears. He came back, he made the team in round three or round four, had a number of injuries to overcome again during the season, but the rest is history. Branko Lee, he wins the premiership with the Melbourne Storm in the 2020 Grand Final. Unbelievable stuff. A few days later, he's called into the Queensland camp. He goes to make his origin debut. And of course, injury strikes again. Another obstacle for Branko Lee to overcome. Wayne Bennett backs him in. Game three, decider at Suncorp. He hands Branko Lee's debut jersey. Let's him play right center. The rest is history. This guy's a true winner. He's a champion bloke. And I'm so glad that I'm the first one that gets to share his story with you. Because it simply is incredible. Let's kick it off.
2: The eagle has landed. Melbourne have won it. challenges. Melbourne have won it. 20. 20, the final score they win their fourth premiership meeting Craig Bellamy for the first time he was just sitting there chilling on the the van when we were doing skill uh, uh, speed and skill and he was just like scary to even look at <laughs> but he was so nice like you know he he, he he didn't like walk up to you and you know say hey you going mate he like, introduced his name like Craig Bellamy how you going like, like he was a real man's man like the First impression of him was like wow like he you could tell he's a real honest hard-working bloke you know just the way he presented himself and yeah it was it was pretty scary like in the sense of what was to come
1: mate you mentioned there melbourne obviously they're different to other systems you've you've been in your fair share of systems what makes melbourne different for you what's the what's you know if you were to write a handbook for other clubs what they need what what's the thing that melbourne does that you don't see any other clubs doing i i I don't know if it's possible for you to put into words, but I want you to have a crack at it.
2: Yeah, just do the the simple things really well. Like pass, um, attention to detail, uh, hands to target. Like just every little simple thing you can think of, they do it really well. Like ridiculous well. Like that's just bread and butter. And that's before you get into other things. You have to be good at that before you want to progress into this. But I think one thing that Melbourne, you know, do well here that I really like got the best out of myself, and I think I can still improve on and get way better at is like they just work together well defensively, have structures in place that you know how to defend. But obviously everyone can tackle and everyone can do this. That otherwise you won't be playing first grade. But what make what makes them different from? is they just work hard at the little things in attack and in defense which makes your job so much simpler they just simplify your job and just make you do your job at the best you know whatever whatever your job is they just want you to do it at the best of your ability and that's all you have to do
1: and mate the reality is everyone's got strengths and weaknesses in their game for me yeah. watching you for the last 10 years in attack you know your, your, your strengths there are endless you know the offload yeah. the, the strike that you've got but defensively it's the elephant in the room. You have had defensive issues over the years and like, was that yeah. starting to rattle your
2: confidence a little bit or what, what, what was the go? Everyone can tackle and everyone can defend, but it was just the sense of not knowing, not working together, Yep, not yep. knowing what your inside man's going to do, not knowing what your outside man's going to do. Obviously you're just going to get found out. That's just the reality of it. Like if you're not working together, something's going to break down in that chain. One thing that, you know, um, we, we do really well at the storms as we work together as an edge. That's what made me defend. You know, best I've ever defended in my career. And you know, I've, I've, yeah, I've had my defensive issues and my defensive reads, but I started understanding football in the sense of you know where we are on the field. If it, is it right to jam? Is it you know? Is it like I oh, know that you know my half's going to check and give me time to go man on, or I know he's going to get stuck on the lead. I have got to. Because you know he's not going to get out on time, so just things like that I learned at Melbourne, and it just made me so much easier. and so much clearer in my head that it just got to a point where it was just like a habit. Like you didn't have to think anymore. You sort of knew where we are on the field and how they're going to run, like how the teams running their shape. You sort of knew my half's going to get out, so I've got time to let him, his man, then go to the fullback, and then I can go man on, or you know I've got time to know that. Maybe he's not going to get it. He's going to hold like, on the lead, so I've got a jam, and then my wing is following me. So, you know, as long as we're working together, the Melbourne are happy with that. And I think that's one thing we really mastered in the back end of the year with our edges. We just started working, not mastered, but we got better at Like We started working together really well. against the Raiders, you know. Their left edge of Jackie Warren and Croker um, was, you know, one of the best left edge with Penrith. And you know, that's one thing we, we really prided ourselves on was to defend Will and you know, I think you know um winning the grand final was says everything for us how we defended and how we are as a team and how, how our middle thirds are, they work harder than else in the field, which makes our job on the edge really easy. So that's one thing I really learned at Melbourne was to work work together with my with the guys around me, and when when someone makes a decision, we back them up, you know. There's not a wrong or right decision. Is if I jam and and that's not right, my wing is jamming with me, so he's gonna fix it up. If if my half doesn't like check and I'm not jamming, I'll still give him time to, to to try and get to him. Like you know, like we all work together, and that's one. That's that's how I became. You know, a, a lot better defender consistently, because it is consistently there, like I, I try to defend. You know, as consistent as possible because can't have two good games of defending well and then three bad games of not defending well. You know, it's all about consistency at Melbourne and that's one thing we we really pride ourselves on was being consistently.
1: And mate, like I've seen you play a number of fantastic games over the years, but for me, that semi-final against Canberra, that's the best game I've ever seen you play. Like you just, you shut down Jared Croker and Jack Wyden all night. You must have been extremely proud of yourself walking off that field that night.
2: Yeah, well, I just remember we played them in Canberra that same – that, that um, you know, months earlier. And I, I thought I had a – that was my first game back from my um little terror I had in my hammy, and I had a shocker. And that was one thing that I really wanted to do was to um,
1: – I thought you were in trouble after that game just quietly. Yeah. I thought it was going to come yeah. crashing down for a little bit there, but yeah.
2: Yeah, like um, that was one thing I really wanted to do was to um, – give back to my team and show them that you know I don't I don't come like don't crack under big games and yeah, our edge had, had a plan we executed that plan uh, like what we wanted to do and yeah for me personally I felt like that was my best game too defensively coming out of our yardage carries and you know, I felt like I was I was running really well coming out and that just uh, spiraled into my how I defended and you know I just knew that every tackle I made I had to make a statement so that actually had for me, that was a platform for that game to go head into the grand final, which you know, the rest is history.
1: Mate, we'll get to the grand final in a minute. I want you to take me back to the start of that season. Obviously, the Melbourne pre-seasons they are known for just being hell on earth. Essentially, you've gone from having a beer with a mate, not wanting to play footy, to walking into a Melbourne Storm preseason, and I mean, it's a preseason where. They know Cameron Smith. It's his last few season. It's it, you know, it's an opportunity that they know they can win a premiership this year. So I imagine mm. it was pretty, pretty full on. I remember you going on the army camp. Explain to me, you know, how, how was that? How, how were those few days? The army camp was sort of
2: like the, like your um initiation to the storms. Put through this camp, and they say like you know Billy knows someone three years and he could tell you what sort of person you are but you know in three days he will know what he will know in three years from you just by your habits how you are under pressure and how you are with less sleep and you know how hard do you work when no one's looking like, that was the hardest three days of my life I can tell you right now after that camp I did not sleep for a few days because I was rattled But like, <laughs> proper like my body was like in pain like I had like I had like dreams about the camp and I was getting up like sweating. Like it was just like proper, like, I can't, I can't explain it like how, how bad it was. Like, it was just like, we, I didn't sleep for the three days. I only ate once. Like you had to write a whole um, paragraph what the day's been like. like they, I, I didn't know that they read it. So if, if, if you didn't write, you had like penalties, for not writing. <laughs> and, like The penalties were like planks. While the while you're you're explaining to them why you didn't write, you know, or like uh, push up holds, or like hand hand above the shoulder, like holding a rock, it was just like proper like painful stuff. But that camp, it sort of like makes training easier if it makes sense. Like you sort of know there's harder things in life, so you sort of appreciate the way we train, like even though it's like tough. But you know you've been through tougher, so you just sort of know that. Oh man, I've I've handled the three days of worstest pain I could feel. Uh, this is a hard session but I'm gonna enjoy it and get the best out of this session because at the end of the day it's gonna help me perform better. And that's how like I started feeling after that camp. Like none nothing really fazed me for a bit there. Like just that camp really really roughed me up and made me realise that, you know, there are harder things in life than playing footy and training doing hard Melbourne training. But the rest thing at Melbourne is pretty second second and none and mate, it's yeah <laughs> It's hard to explain what we do, but yeah, it's tough, mate.
1: Mate, without uh, without putting you back into a straitjacket, uh, what was the hardest point of that camp from your memory? Is there a moment that you remember that you were the closest to breaking point?
2: Yeah, they they, they walk you out to this like um paddock and they they put you at different points. You're not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to fall asleep. You got to protect that tree, like it's your your guard. You got to guard the tree, and you know. Um, when they when they walk up you gotta say a word like who, who goes there to say that you're awake and they're, they're the enemies coming in you gotta protect the tree uh, I swear i seen my mum eh like I was just standing there and it was like two o'clock in the morning and they pick you up at like six in the morning you just stand there the whole day and I was just like I was just hallucinating and I was just like honestly I was like fuck me like <laughs> what is this like <laughs> you know what I mean like I actually got to the point where um we had to do 50 push-ups at the end because one of the boys was falling asleep and they noticed it and like I had tears in my eyes like I was like man I, I literally have nothing left <laughs> like nothing left you still found something because you know you get to the point where you think you have nothing left you'll find a bit more and that's what I found out about myself I was going fuck like finishing the camp the whole organization's at the front clapping you in it's like a initiation and everyone just hugs you and they sing a song and, you know, you just feel like you're, you're welcomed. And that's one thing I really liked about the Storms is, you know, once they know you can do some hard things, you know, they'll treat you with, you know, respect. And one thing I love in clubs.
1: Even in your wildest hallucinations standing in front of that tree, could you imagine a grand final ring and an Origin debut within six months?
2: Honestly, um, so when Beliak told me uh, round one, he was, um, was going to go off... Um, Marion Seve and he pulled me aside and he was just like you know um, yeah like I'm gonna go with him and him you know like, he's done well and he played good last year when he had his opportunities and I was just like yeah like I just come down here on a train and trial deal and I just signed a deal just to stay on in the top 30 and I was like oh, oh well with it and me was he just said to me when we're walking away he goes mate I'll tell you one thing you'll play Origin I promise he goes oh you'll play Origin and I like looked at him and I wanted to laugh but then I was just like fuck is he serious like honestly that made me hungry like when he said that it just made me like like I want to do whatever I can to be in this you know 17 because you know fuck off me like doesn't say that to randoms you know like he, he's seen something and after the lockdown when we got, when we got back after the six week break and they played Raiders and they got towed up by the, the Raiders he me aside and he just asked me how I am mentally and Feel like I'm ready to play first grade, and I said, "Yeah, I'm, you yeah. know, I'm ready." Like I'm, I, actually trained in the six weeks break, and I, I'm ready to rock and roll. And yeah, he, he sort of put a belief in me that you know, like first grade was meant to be, and I didn't, I didn't feel out of place playing first grade. And obviously, I got a few niggly injuries. Like I did my hand twice. I broke my hand, and that was sort of my downfall. That I couldn't really stay on the field for like string a few games. Sort of my downfall. But I just knew that. Every time I played, I I felt I didn't feel out of place. Like it was a weird feeling. I didn't feel out of place. It was because the the belief he stole to me and the training I did. I just knew that I was ready for
1: it. Mate, in the same conversation, he tells you you're not in the round one team. He tells you that you'll play Origin one day.
2: Far out! Unbelievable. Right. Yeah. So I walked away like a bit upset, but I walked away in a sense of you know
1: like fuck off. I, I was pretty hungry. That's unbelievable. I, 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 that's mate. I'm not yeah. sure if there's a greater compliment in rugby league than yeah. Craig Bellamy saying compliment. that to
2: you. <laughs> yeah, it's a back end compliment. But I tell you right now, like he, he didn't say it in a sense of being sarcastic. He said it like dead stare, staring me in the eye. Just like fuck.
1: Can, like. can Can I ask you, mate? How would your six weeks off during COVID? How would that have gone if he didn't say that to you? Did it spur you on more to go harder during that six weeks, knowing that, yes, I'm not in the round one team, I'm hungry, but I'm even hungrier because I know this bloke believes in me?
2: Like it, it honestly did, and I just felt like he believed in me that much that I didn't play Q cup when I was here. Like obviously, the comp shut, shut down, but game one and two, I was like 18th, 18th man, 18th man, and then um, game three, I, I was going to play, and then the comp got shut down in game four he played, he went with Maz again and then game oh no game yeah three got shut down and they played game three again he went with Maz and then round four against Robert as I made my debut I was just being you know, like fuck like but someone believing in me and I don't believe in myself what's that saying like
1: <laughs> you've obviously made your fair share of club debuts over the years was the Melbourne one a different feeling
2: yeah it was pretty special sense of what this organisation have achieved all the great players that have worn worn the Melbourne Storm jersey, you know, um, the Greg Inglis, your Israel flowers David Kidwell's, just Steve Kearney, you know, like all these legends of the club, like Cameron Surf, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, Ryan Hoffman, you know, even Kevin Proctor, like these are all like quality players, and you're just like sitting here like, Fuck, this is unreal. And to get my club jersey, I was actually. I was actually feeling like it was like a debut jersey because I was really, like, emotional. Like, it's been a long time coming, but the journey that got me there from when I got told I wasn't wanted to getting that Melbourne Storm jersey like they wanted me, it was special. It was a weird special, but, yeah.
1: Spoke about the semi final against Canberra. We both agree that's the best game of your career. You go from the best game of your career to the biggest game of your career. Grand final against the Penrith Panthers... Um, Obviously, you're coming up against their left edge. Luai, Kickout, Crichton, Mansour. Like, I'm getting nervous thinking about it. It was a huge task in front of you from a guy that had copped a bit of shit about his defense over the years, coming off your best defensive game. What was your feeling around the week?
2: Actually, pretty surprising. Like, the prelim and the grand final was probably the most relaxed I've ever been in my career. Just knowing that I've put in the hard work and, everything else is behind me it's just about playing some footy and at the end of the day we just play footy because we love the sport and I just wanted to have fun and nothing out there like leave no stones no stones turned like I oh, wanted to leave nothing out like wanted to leave nothing in the tank and um third touch of the game I actually got hit from um Zayo Zayo yep like hit me around my legs and I felt awkwardly on my uh left shoulder fucking I was in all sorts like it rattled me like uh like my whole, I couldn't lift my left arm over my shoulder and my whole, my, I didn't let um the halfback or the, the winger, Sully or Jerome know that my shoulder was fucked, but just like, fuck, what? Like, I can't believe I'm in a grand final, the biggest game of my life. And my third carry, like 10 minutes in, like my shoulder's fucked, like proper, like I couldn't lift it over my head. And I thought it was a stinger, but it just didn't go away. And I went into halftime and cause I had all blood over my jersey. I had to change my jersey, and as I went to lift my jersey, I was like, ah, like in pain. And the trainer goes, What, what, what the fuck? What, what are you saying that? And I was going, Fuck my shoulder. And he goes, Oh, do you want to eject it? And I said, No, nah, like, don't tell no one. Like, don't even tell Bel there I can't fucking let people like try and protect me because I want them to do their own job. Yeah, fuck. I actually like to tackle off my right in a sense of knowing that that's their best attacking edge. And my halfback and our winger don't know that my shoulder's fucked in the sense of, you know, if, if they ran up my left shoulder, I didn't know if I could make the tackle or not. Now for the game, like, I started crying. It was just because of the relief of what we went through in the sense of a, a big game with one of their best attacking edges with a F left shoulder, but it got me through until the end. And, and uh, I think, like, big games like that is what it's all about, you know, like, just doesn't matter like how skillful or how talented you are it's it's about like if you can play under pressure and and defend well you're not feeling right and yeah that's what it was all about after that game
1: and mate, like it, it was no shock to me i'm sure it was no shock to you but you had to make 21 tackles they knew they were going to go at you and you yeah. held your own and mate I, I thought the bloke inside you felice kafusi i thought the number he did on billy army kick out was unbelievable yeah. i think it's one of the one of the better grand final performances, like one on one, that no one seems yeah. to talk
2: about. I think he's the best back row in the game, mate, hands down. Like, I um, mean, Kenny Bromwich is, Kenny Bromwich and and Flies you know, the back rollers in the game. What like, they work that hard and they make our edge so much better defensively because how hard they work and how, the inside pressure they put in. Like, like you said, like no one does it doesn't notice it, but you know at the storms you know we notice it and we can't thank them enough and he even did that in the origin like he was unreal the things he does you know is, it's second to none and he'll get big praises for making clean line breaks and flicking off guys but you know for him to constantly put pressure on someone when he's when he's tired but just to do all the time I take my hat off to you you know like my, you you know, you've earned my respect and I don't want to let you down because you know he just busts his ass for the team and we get we get
1: a ring. Before you get the ring, there's nine minutes left. Jerome Hughes gets sent from the field. You're down to twelve. You're up by uh, off the top of my head, fourteen or sixteen, around that mark. And yeah. mate, this is where the Melbourne Storm they just they do their very best work when it's stacked against you. You've got twelve on the field against the best attacking team, you know, we've probably seen since Melbourne in twenty seventeen. And mate you guys just find a way they score a couple of tries Brandon Smith then goes on the field you've got to defend 30 odd seconds there with 11 blokes on the field it, it's a fucking soccer team like it's just and and to me that's where I was looking going geez this is where Cameron Smith is worth an absolute fortune
2: yeah well like as an edge when Jerome went off the weird thing is we didn't like, worry or panic or swear we just renew our structure how we defended and we just stick to the structure. If they're going to beat us, that's the right way. Like, you know, that's one thing that we wanted to do. Like, we didn't want to beat ourselves even though, you know, Jerome went off for that 10 minutes. We just sort of knew how we defended as a a team and what our jobs were. And honestly, it wasn't that hard defensively because we just played like scrambled footy and we defend like that at training all the time. Like, we get someone off and we defend like that. So it wasn't like, it wasn't too unfamiliar, but to thought in a grand final, you wouldn't have thought of it. But yeah, it just makes the, the grand final a bit more sweet, right <laughs> Knowing that you know they can score tries from anywhere at any time with 13 players,
1: <laughs> mate. With all due respect to you, imagine if you would have been saying that to Branko Lee four years ago that you'd be playing in a grand final, there'd be two players short on the field, and defensively you weren't panicked. It sounds unbelievable how far you've come yeah, in that Melbourne system.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that uh, that honestly just sums it up there, in a nutshell. Um, it's a bit weird to to pick like that, but um, yeah, that actually sums it up. Like you probably wouldn't probably laugh if you mentioned my name of that. You can't you can't defend right with thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just so grateful and glad I'm I'm in the Storms organisation that you know that really taught me how to play footy and play footy. But how how to be a consistent first grade and how to be professional. Um, coming down here, I don't think I was the most professional player, but you know I'm I'm professional in the sense of you know routine and um, sleeping habits and eating habits and knowing that you know training starts on Monday if you want to perform on a Sunday. So for the day, like they're just real ultra professional and consistent on at your best.
1: The full time siren goes. You know you've won a premiership. You've done it in the Melbourne Storm. It was a year ago, close to the day when. You were given a, a lifeline well, and you fair. almost turned it down. Explain to me the emotions in that moment.
2: It was real, really emotional. Like I was, I actually was crying like I was at someone's funeral. It was just like just so overwhelmed, and it just honestly felt like a little weight come off my shoulder, in the sense of I, I put so much pressure on myself. But I felt like I just kept letting myself down, letting myself down. And this year, I finally didn't put any pressure on myself. I just wanted to do the little things right, let everything else take care of itself. And I get this result. He said some of the greatest players of all time go for, go through an NRL without winning a grand final, let alone win an origin series. And I did it I did it in a year at, at the Melbourne Storms. And I just can't be thankful enough. And I'm still pinching myself, man. I'm, I'm trained now to get back before Jan, Jan the 11th I just want to go back fit and ready to rock and roll like I don't want the opportunity this year to be let down all my hard work that I put in still got, I still know that I've got another you know, few years to go to be where I want to be as an elite centre but at the end of the day I'm, really, I'm ready to put in the hard work and ready to go back into preseason under under another year with Bel Air I can learn a bit more and become a consistent uh, footy player
1: Tell me about uh, the celebrations after the grand final. I remember I spoke to you at probably eleven thirty, maybe midnight after the grand final, and you were on absolute cloud nine, you were talking complete and utter gibberish. Yeah. Um, mate, explain to me the next few days and you know leading obviously to the call from Wayne Bennett and Queensland. I, I just just an absolute dream for you.
0: Hey everyone.
2: so um, we actually like party like <laughs> there was no tomorrow <laughs> I remember getting back to sunny coast and it was like four in the morning <laughs> we left we, we left ANZ about like two, three o'clock I think and I was just like fuck like it's almost sun up went for a shower went back straight into the, the team room and kept going I didn't go back to my room for another two days and then um, <laughs> had a little rest and had our one on one with the coaches about what what we think we need to improve on, and oh, of course, of course, the Melbourne yeah. Storm had a
1: one on one on what to improve at, <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Yeah.
2: And then um, we we had our prison and we got loose there, and yeah, went straight into Origin camp from there. But I actually didn't know that I was in the Origin camp. I found out when I had media. I walked into the media, and the guy from Fox, uh, from uh, from one of the papers, said well congratulations being in the, the 27 man origin squad, and i was just like i was like what do you want to now mate he goes oh you're in the squad and he showed me the squad name. and i was going fuck like i actually got really emotional but i didn't know i didn't get no phone call no notifications i just got told from the media guy i was in the squad
1: <laughs> mate it's unbelievable and i mean <laughs> yeah. i guess the main storyline surrounding that is of course munster Calling the Queensland camp. Say, can I have a couple more days? Did Did you know he was doing that? Was that something he ran by you guys to see if you were keen to go in with him? What What was the go? I think
2: Munster just sort of was loving his time of cheese. They they obviously kept drinking after the Prezo extended time, and I think I don't think he wanted to, <laughs> wanted to leave because the boys were going to Byron, but they were planning the Byron trip, and we actually planned the Byron trip like draw, like that was the plan like to go back to Byron because you weren't allowed back into Melbourne and, and we're allowed to do what everyone else was doing because we're still on lockdown and it just made it a bit more sweeter that we won and everyone just jumped on board because the older boys sort of didn't want to go to Byron if we lost but because we won everyone ended up going to Byron <laughs> I think I think money just thought he let everyone down and the Queensland coaches said mate you can go there after we win the series <laughs> so oh. it's a bit weird in the sense of you know Again in Byron, some of the Melbourne boys went back to Byron when money went back down there to relive both premiership and series,
1: <laughs> mate. Obviously, for me, you know, my my memories of your grand final victory are the few things I remember are the t shirts you wore, uh, the ski mask, and just Munster yeah. dancing with that shield and cheese Perfect, doing yeah. his speech. What's the beside like what's the behind the scenes memory that you have that'll stick with you forever from those celebrations?
2: I just remember. Seeing the look on everyone's face, like even the, like the staff and even the family, like just the relief on how hard the year's been being in a bubble, everyone doubting us, everyone counting us out, living out of a suitcase. Just just the seeing everyone's face and how happy everyone was was sort of I remember and what I really, you know, got emotional of because it was actually a tough year in a sense of you know, no one no one gave us any chance because we're away from Melbourne and we didn't have a routine what we, we usually do but we made a routine and we made it work and that was one thing that uh, people didn't understand is the, how the families were affected by how how we were and you know everyone everyone's family became closer than ever and you sort of play, you had sense of pride to play for the mate next year because you know who his kids are and who his you know wife and siblings are and you know who he stands for. So you wanna play for him even harder because you know, you know you're, you're not only playing for him, but you're playing for his family and for who he stands for as a man. So that's one thing that I really took out of the, the celebrations and I'm just happy to see everyone celebrate and, you know, one thing that's for sure is that it didn't take seventeen players, it took a whole Organization and the whole squad to win that um, premiership.
1: As per your career, it's high, low, high, low, high, low. You you get called in that Origins squad. I imagine one of the proudest moments of your career, coming off a grand final victory, and you're warming up for game one. You get ruled out at the last minute. And uh, I remember talking to you at halftime in that game, and I just I felt so sorry for you at that point. What was the yeah. emotions when the doc did rule you out?
2: So... Um, so- I hurt my car from the warm up at Skill Park and and the captain's running. I went for a scan straight away and it, everything was all clear and everything was sweet. Like they, they couldn't find nothing. And um, I just, because the Melbourne physio was actually our physio at Queensland too. So he came on camp with us and I just said to him, I said, mate, something doesn't really feel well. I can't walk properly. Like I've got a limp. And when I take off, I could feel a sharp pain like someone stabbing me all the time. You know, he test me and he just said "Mate, we'll fly to Adelaide but we have to warm up early because you can't get ruled out on the warm-up because that means we can't bring someone in because they they've know, they know you've done the injury in captain's run you haven't done them in the warm-up so we got to the stadium and I got dressed straight away and they because they needed to make a call before warm-up so they can bring someone in and my first like motion of running I could just feel it like stabbing me and I just said to him like mate like to Mark Jackie Warren, I got to be at 100%. I can't be 80%. You know, he just come off a deli year. He's on fire. I can't mark him 80%. Like I need to be 100% to go toe to toe with him. And it was it was a hard call, but I think it was a call that needed to be made. And I just remember going in and seeing Wayne Bennett, like seeing him, and I just like had tears. Like I was just very sorry for you know what I've done, and I just felt like I let, let the boys down because you know Phil Sammy come onto the wing and. He wasn't really training with us with the squad that week because we had our how we how we wanted to play and how we were training and for him to come in last minute I, I thought he did an outstanding job that game one you know for what him coming in late like that and I was actually like just I just had so much emotion in the sense of I just felt like I let a lot of people down and just wanted me to get my calf right and then game two I sort of couldn't get it right again like he gave me every opportunity to get it right and yeah I just felt like after game two when I didn't play I just felt like fuck, like, am I meant to play for Queensland? Like, that was going from headlock. Like,
1: Did you think you were going to play game three? Because, like, personally, I thought you were Cactus. I didn't think he was going to make changes. Yeah. yeah, like, after game two,
2: when, like, because they gave me every opportunity to play again, I couldn't even get through my rehab. And, yeah, I, I honestly, I went back to my room and I was just so down. Like, I didn't, like, hang out for anyone. I was just really away from everyone because I just felt like I just wasted, you know the coach's time the players' time and I just felt like I let a lot of people down and personally I just felt I just didn't think you know maybe I, I'm not I'm not ready to play for Queensland or maybe I'm not meant to play for Queensland I just thought that's just the way footy is and it's what it is and I remember uh, losing they lost game too we got back to the uh, hotel and the next day we had a barbecue and a function on he me a sign he said how's your calf man I said oh, it's it'll get better if I can keep working at it and I just remember him telling me, "What side do I want to play?" And I said, oh, "I'll play it right side." And he asked why, and I said, "Because I've got a right hand thick, left hand And He goes, right if you get your calf right, mate, you're up there, and I'll put Gags to the other side." And straight away, like I just did everything I could in my power to get my calf right. Eh? Like from that day, I was just like so, like honoured that he told me that, and so like grateful that he, you know, believed in me. And yeah, I think that's that was one thing that i loved about wayne is you know he made you like what money said he made you feel seven foot tall and just made you believe in yourself Yeah, you know i just made sure i got my calf right and ready to go and second half i went to take a carry and i slipped and fucking went again oh. and up yeah and like the last 10 minutes i sort of was like limping and i you know alfie walked up i ran up to me and said you're right i said yeah fucking calf's like I, my calf. i can't i can't like take off like he just said, how, is, how do you think you're going to defend? I said, I'll try my best. And um, I remember t- making a tackle on Jack, and then the next set, they just called me off, and they put k Paul back in the centers and Jaden into the back row. And I was just so down on myself because I just I, I did everything I could for me to play that whole game and play at my best. But, you know, my body just wouldn't let me go. Like, I just felt like my body was telling me that, you know, your years like you know sort of done like you need to have a break like it was just so weird in the sense of I've never felt like that like my body like fully like broken down
1: on me (laughs) mate unbelievable and I mean like the the fact that you've come back from those injuries you've got a spot it's a decider it's in Suncorp mate just the cherry on top you make your debut next to your cousin also making his debut like you're living in a Walt Disney film over there it's ridiculous
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's something that, um, yeah, I was just telling my cousin that we've got to keep pinching ourselves because you know, we both got let go from Canberra and he got let go from Shafts and ended up at Newcastle and I've, I found a few clubs and, yeah, we're, we're debuting against each other in one of the biggest games in Queensland history, a decider.
1: Mate, obviously, Cameron Munster, you know, we all remember legendary players for moments and he had that moment in that game where he, what, he kicked the ball three times in about 15 seconds. And the last kick, it comes out to you. It takes the bounce from hell. And I remember watching it going, oh, my God, he's just – he's knocked that on for sure. And then Edric picked it up and scored. And, mate, you must have been nervous watching that replay because that could have gone either way, couldn't it? Mate, like,
2: when that ball came, I was going to – my first instinct was to catch on the full. But I just thought, no, let it bounce. I've got plenty of time just – just let it, let it bounce, you know. You just go with the flow. And I've never seen a football bounce like that before. <laughs> Mate, that was the rudest and most ugliest bounce I've ever seen in my life. And in the sense of, as I went to go get it, I sort of started pulling away from it because I knew, you know, Edric was behind me, but I still touched my hand. like he said, I was like, it was heart and mouth situation when the replay was gone. And he played it like three times. And I said, if they play it one more time, it's a knock on. And they didn't play it the, the fourth or fifth time, and they end up rewarding it as a try. And I was going, "Fuck me!" Like <laughs> that actually, like could have come to a point where we, it was a you know situation where we needed that try to win a game.
1: <laughs> Mate, it was one of those crazy situations where you pretty much had too much space and too much time. Yeah, like time. Monster was yeah. too good; it was unbelievable.
2: Yeah, like even like um, Money was a bit upset. He goes, "Fuck! I need to get that kick." kick on point but I just said mate like we've just never seen a football bounce like that like it was it was just a a weird bounce like honestly like I think the bounce I've never seen a football bounce like that before in my life I swear to god
1: oh mate (laughs) it's a football it's a football (laughs) football's bounce weird (laughs) Mate, I was torn. I'm a, I'm a Blues fan, obviously, so I was going for the Blues, but I also, like, I didn't want to see you fuck up that moment for them. I was I was, yeah. I was torn in half in that moment, but, mate, are you, mate uh, to, to be part of, you know, that Melbourne Storm Premiership during COVID, I mean, you know, like, I, I appreciate what the Warriors have done this year and how fantastic it's been, but what Melbourne have done, it hasn't really been that much different to be a part of that and then go into Queensland in the worst team in 40 years – and get the job done. Mate, just unbelievable what you've been through this year.
2: Yeah, like, in that, like, when we heard that, like, it was sort of like, just sad in the sense of, like, like, pretty ruthless in the sense of, you know, worst team in 40 years and just sort of just knew that, you know, we're not only playing for ourselves, but we're playing for the whole state of Queensland and our pride and our dignity as, as a state and as footy players and, yeah, to finally, to hear that whistle go and, just hear the roar in the stadium, and it was, it was spine-tingling stuff. But I think even that winning that game at ANZ, I reckon there was a roar, roar in Melbourne. I can tell you that much.
1: You're 25 years old right now. Yeah, now, you know, the average NRL career, if you play all the way, 32, 33. But, like, I can't believe yeah. you've still potentially got six, seven, potentially eight years left in your career for... You know the roller coaster it's been. Tell me, in ten years' time, when you are retired, how is Branko Lee going to be remembered? Um, All really,
2: right, I think that's something that you know. I still, I'm still um, carving my own legacy right now. I um, still don't know yet, but you know, I still I still know that I've got a lot of hard work in front of me, and I'm still I'm not where I want to be at, at this at this time and moment, but. You know, I'm grateful for what I've done so far in the centre of I'm back from, you know, big setbacks and to be in the situation I am in, I'm, I'm really grateful for it. But I still know I still know that I've got a long way to go and a lot of hard work to be done to to be a consistent, you know, center in this in this game. And um yeah, I just I just uh just wanna work hard and uh, let my uh, footy do the talking, that's for sure.
1: I put a Q and A up on my story last night and the amount of messages I got that mentioned the word inspiration or passion or like the amount of people that really appreciate your story and your journey is amazing to be honest with you. You're a guy I've followed yeah. for a long time and have been waiting for these opportunities to come and people are starting to appreciate and understand what you've brought but the one thing that I got a lot of questions about that we haven't mentioned, tell me about playing for Tonga mate.
2: Obviously um, me all goes, um Tongan and um, when that opportunity come, when I was at the Bulldog, it was, it was too good to say no to. Um, I grew up in my, uh, my dad's side, my indigenous side. He's um, a Toshio Islander. I didn't really uh, know my Tonga side uh, much, but when the opportunity come to go to Tonga camp and play against that, that Fiji and that uh, Pacific Test match, uh, that was probably one of the best camps I've been on, you know, um, spiritually and, and mentally in the sense of um, finding out who I am and where my where my mum comes from and who they are as people. And um, that's something that, you know, I still remember clear as day that I was on camp yesterday. And, you know, that's one of the best camps I've been on. And there's never a dull moment in camp. But one thing is for sure is, you know, they've, Tonga has changed ha, has changed the, the test match by, you know, people not wanting to play for money, but to play for their people. And that's a testament to, you know, All the the big, all the senior boys that that are Tongans that you know want to do that, and that's something that you know that's that's going to inspire other people to do is to to play for who you are and you know play for who you are and what you stand for.
1: Mate, uh, I want to thank you for your time. I I know you had an appointment this afternoon that I'm pretty confident I've made you miss. So I really do appreciate your time, mate. And I just want to congratulate you on everything you've achieved. As I said, I was just while you were talking, I was just looking through. I've got 70-odd questions here from fans and, mate, there's there's 10 or 15 of them that aren't even questions. They're just saying, mate, congratulations on what you've achieved this year. It's been just such an incredible journey and, you know, as you said to me, an hour and a half after that grand final finished, it's just the beginning and it really is, mate.
2: Yeah, that's something that I don't want to get um, caught up in as, as a dream world because at the end of the day, you know, things like this don't happen very often. you're not going to work hard. When you get back to training, it's just going to come. It's going to come for nothing. What like, all that hard work you put in is just going to be, you know, <laughs> down the drain, in the sense of just being like happy to be there. And I know that, you know, I still got a long way to go as a footballer and as a person. But you know, that's something I really want to work hard on and get better at. And I know 2021 is going to be a bigger year for the Storms and for
1: me personally. Who's gonna be your hooker next year? I can't really answer that, mate. They're both—they're both—they're both,
2: <laughs> they're both, uh, they're both uh, brilliant hookers, and as the hookers, I know one thing for sure is they'll do a good job and they'll do what uh, we need as a team to to get our team going. And yeah, I just can't wait for 2021
1: to be honest. Um. That's not the answer I wanted. You know that too. <laughs> it's <laughs> too controversial. <laughs> keep yourself in the good books, mate. I appreciate yeah. your time. All the best in the future. Yeah.
2: Hey, thanks, Big Phil. Thanks for having me, man. Um, I really appreciate you and, like, uh, I love the passion you have for me personally. Like knowing where you know how far I've come and how how, how hard I've worked. And guys like you, uh, I keep a real with and have a lot of time for. So. Thank you so much, big fella, for um, getting me on your show and on your podcast, and, yeah, can't wait to have a listen.
1: Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you in a few years. When you've retired, we'll have even more to look back on.
2: <laughs> See you, big fella. Legend. Have a Thanks, day. brother.
1: G'day guys, thanks again for tuning in to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. If you enjoyed this interview with Branko Lee and are enjoying all of our content in general, there's two ways that you can help the Guru brand grow. One, leave a review on this podcast, give us five stars, leave us a nice comment, it'd be very greatly appreciated. And number two, take a screenshot on your phone now if you're listening there, or if you're listening in the car, to take a photo of your screen in your car and uh, share it on your Instagram page, tag at Rugby League Guru and we'll get it sharing on all of our social media platforms. We're really looking looking for 2021 to be the year of growth for our Guru brand. And I'd love for you to help us along with that journey. Have a cracking day, guys. Enjoy yourselves. Talk to you soon.
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online